Our Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day, this Lord's Day, in which we, Your people, assemble and worship You. We thank You for the rest that we have in Christ Jesus. We thank You for this day of rest from our labor. And we thank You for the time that You have allowed and appointed that we can gather and to study Your Word, specifically the Proverbs today. So we ask that as we study, that Your Holy Spirit would guide and direct us. Teach us, we pray. May You be glorified through it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the, the topic as I'm pulling things together and looking at the different topics in the, in the Proverbs, um, uh, looking at the topic of fear, and I began to think, well, what is one of the things that we fear? And there is, of course, uh, fear of missing out, which I know there's an, an acronym for that, right? Uh, but also, I think that there is a sincere fear of the future. Um, interestingly enough, the, the Proverbs does not have a lot to say uh, about the future per se, um, which I think just in that very thing, uh, there's great wisdom. Um, we spend uh, a lot of time actually talking about the future, thinking about the future, so forth and so on, and, and yet um, uh, oftentimes that can be a distraction to the present. And it also can cause us to overvalue the future as it compares to the past. Um, and yet we see in, in Scripture consistently, for example, in God speaking uh, to Israel and pointing them back to what God had done in the past. And we gain encouragement and hope for the future in what God shows us He has done in the past, right? So we are going to touch on that a little bit, uh, but what I want to do is I want us to start on the topic of fear, and I begin with this question that's on your handout. What is the difference between sinful fear and fearing God? Same English word, right? Uh, but very different in meaning. What is the difference between sinful fear and fearing God? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good word. The word reverence, of course, uh, is, is a good point. Um, in uh, previous generations, uh, the word awesome or awful. In fact, if you're a reader of the Puritans, sometimes you'll hear uh, the Puritans write uh, in response to the awfulness of God. And, and of course, in our modern vernacular, we think of that word as, oh, that's terrible. But they didn't mean it that way. They meant to be awe, in awe of God, and to, to, to fear Him in awe and in reverence, right? So how do we understand, how do we know then if, if the fear of God is having a, a right awe of Him, a right reverence of Him, <clears throat> or we could say that to be in awe of God leads us to respond in reverent worship, right? So the two are connected. What about sinful fear? How do we know what sinful fear is? Hmm? A lack of trust, right? And specifically a lack of trust in God. So not trusting God would certainly be uh, a sinful fear. What else? Well, what's the difference between, for example, fear and caution? Do I not walk across the street when a truck is coming, for example, uh, because uh, of sinful fear? 
No, I don't, I don't walk across a crosswalk if a truck is coming because of what? I mean, sense, of course, right? But also because of, of caution. I'm, I'm to heed or to, to take caution uh, because the truck would, would run me over and I, I would die. So clearly, exercising caution is not sinful fear. Is that a, is that a fair statement? What about discretion? What's the difference between fear and discretion? Yeah, to have discretion is really to, to, to understand a situation, to have a right understanding of it, uh, to, to look into it. It might even include wisdom and st- I mean research and study, um, but, but there's, there's a, a, a certain uh, caution, we might say, that is gained from uh, what we learn, and so we exercise a form of discretion. Is discretion sinful? I, 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 don't, I don't think it is. I don't find any example of, of where we could say that caution or discretion is sinful. And so then understanding that, coming back to the idea that it's not just, although I agree that, that sinful fear is not trusting God, but so also it may be not that simplistic. Sometimes to understand what sinful fear is, you've got to understand the context. And sometimes you have to understand the heart. So, for example, one of the things that the Proverbs consistently reminds us of is a right contextual understanding. Right? In other words, what I'm saying is, is what may be caution for someone could be sinful fear for someone else. And I'm not at all saying that, that truth is relative. What I'm saying is, is that as the Proverbs are teaching us, that there are certain truths that we gain by virtue of context within life. Yes? Yeah, yeah, it could be. Although, could we say that, that the unfallen angels have a right fear of God? You know, I, I would say so. Um, but yeah, I mean, that is a good, good point. There's a, there's a healthy fear of not desiring God's wrath or His judge, judgment. Yeah, that's good. That's good. All right. So in regards to... So I, I, I make that distinction. We're, we're not going to talk about the fear of God today, uh, although that, that, that is... I want to make that distinction so we understand it. What we're really talking about today in the Proverbs is sinful fear. And it's not uh, fearing God, uh, nor is it caution or discretion. Um, furthermore, how often do we fear the future? What would be some examples? Uh, what would be an example of fearing the future? Okay, worry of, of losing your job, right? So that, that would be a, so worry would, would be an aspect of fearing the future. What else? Hmm? 
yeah, wor worrying about or fearing that uh, you would be you would be sick or whatever the case is. I think it was it was uh, Sproul. Uh, I, I think said uh, something along the lines of that he didn't fear dying, but he feared suffering in death, which I think is a, is a good a good a good example. Doesn't mean that's right. Incidentally, he wasn't justifying it. He wasn't sort of like when when Luther. Uh, told uh, uh, Melanchthon to, uh, to go into sin. He, he wasn't saying that sinning is good, but nevertheless, the point is made. What else? What are some exa other examples of fearing the future? Yeah, yeah. What's going to happen to me in my, in my old age? Who's going who's gonna to care for me? Uh, how am I going to be taken care of? And, um, yeah, am I going to spend my, my latter years in the nursing home? That's, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Yeah, for sake of the the, the video, what he what he said was is that that we fear what's going on in our in our government. We and 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 yet it's on both sides, right? Um, if you're a student of of history, you see this consistently all the time. Is there's always reaction and fear regarding who's in office by those that are not of that person's persuasion. Change gears, and what happens? It's the same song and dance. Right, and uh, and so the the point is is that the, these are things that can lead us to fear the future. Um, we see that especially uh, in looking at current events, and then what do we do when we see a current event? We play it out into the future, and that can of course can also lead to sinful fear. Well, how can we help protect ourselves uh, according to the proverbs? from fearing the future. And I said I wasn't going to touch on fearing God, but I am going to circle right back around one more time. And uh, that is here in Proverbs 23, 17 and 18. Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. Surely there is a future and your hope will not be cut off. Now, let's, let's break that down, but first of all, what is one of the ways that can help protect us from fearing God? And, and the, the example of, of fearing you know, current events and, 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 and governments and all that kind of thing is a perfect example in this, is what can help us protect us from fearing the future? I mean, uh, yeah, fearing the future? Well, very different from sinful fear is fearing God. But let's break this proverb down to better understand it. First of all, it says, let not your heart envy sinners. What's the point there? What does that mean? Let not your heart envy sinners. Right? Sinful man. And, and what's, what's the idea that's conveyed here? To envy a sinner is to do what? Well, true. But it's actually an envy is you want what you, 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 they have. Right. So, so, so this, is, this is what I, I want. And so the Proverbs is saying that's remarkably dangerous. 
to want what someone who is characterized as a sinner, to want what they, want what they have or what they want, or even to a certain extent to align yourself with them, someone who is characterized as a sinner. And then what does the, the writer of Proverbs say right after that? Note the verb, but continue. Isn't that interesting? That the verb choice is perfect there in speaking to God's covenant people, right? We are the people who fear the Lord. It is right to fear the Lord. We are to fear the Lord all the day, as it says here. But sometimes what happens? The circumstances of life and governments and world events, sometimes fear of the, of the future, what's going to happen to me in old age. Sometimes it's our, our health. Sometimes it's our, our finances, Whatever the case is, you insert it in your, per, your personal life example. The bottom line is, is that we have to reorient ourselves to come back over and over and over again. John, you're fearing the wrong things, right? Yeah, Chris. <clears throat> That's right. That's good. That's excellent. Yeah. So is fear of sinning sinful fear or is that fear of God? Like you're afraid that you're going to sin it. Well, I, I think probably depends on the context and what you would define as what that sin is. Um, do you, maybe, do you have an example? I would say that's sin. Yeah, I would say that. I would say that. If, if that's what you're talking about, I'd say that, that that's sin. Because that's not trusting the Lord. Why do we pray in the Lord's Prayer, for example, right? I mean, that, that is actually one of the things that we can... Yeah, let, yeah right. And, and so that is actually one of the things that we, we pray. So I would say that in that example, and we're going to get to this in just a second on trusting God, but that, that would be an example of, of not trusting God. Yeah. I don't do what I want to do, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. But to to say that I'm I'm walking around fearful all the time that I am going to 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 sin. Yeah, I I would say that was Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. For practical purposes, yet the Lord brings us about and gives us an understanding and sight. Yeah. 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 That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, I mean, just a prime example. So, and that's a great example from Leviticus. You know, the other side of that is, is that how many of us have had times in our lives where we had blind spots, and then the Lord raises the the the, the veil, so to speak, and we just go. Dah! There it is. It was so obvious, but I but I didn't I didn't see it. 
And so I think that's another aspect of that, not, not knowing. Yeah, that's good. Um, to carry that in, so the rest of the verse says, surely there is a future. Uh, what's the idea there? Right? And then, and your hope will not be cut off. So I hope, once again, is I think Chris is right, it's just balance between temporal and eternal. And, and when, we, when we hope in sinners, when we envy sinners, when our hope is in those who are fallen, then what happens? It leads to fear. When we fear the Lord, then what happens? It gives us hope. Fear in the Lord gives us uh, hope in terms of the, of the future. Number two, Proverbs 3, 24 and 26. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked. When it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. All right, so, uh, and I'm just going to read the other two Proverbs I have here as well. Do I have those on your handout? I think I do. Okay, the Proverbs 21, 31. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. And Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. All right, so the, the idea here is that we can protect ourselves from fearing the future by trusting God. By trusting God. But I listed all three of these Proverbs on, on here because they all come from a different perspective. Um, let's take one of the, the, the easy ones first, and that's Proverbs twenty one thirty one. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory belongs to the Lord. What does that mean? True. So it, because He is sovereign, because the battle has already been won, does that mean... I don't do a blooming thing. Note, note the balance here. So the horse is made ready for the day of battle means what? Be prepared. Be prepared right? Is preparation good? It's like somebody said one time, is, you know, well, I'm not really saving for retirement because I trust the Lord. I'm like, well, first of all, not only does that disagree with Scripture, that's not biblical trust, right? Uh, that's just called stupidity. And, um, and so to, to, to be prepared is, is, is wise, right? But just be, because you're prepared, does that mean everything's going to work out? No. No, you trust the Lord uh, and you trust the Lord that He is the one that's going to provide. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a great example from Nehemiah. That's right, yeah. Cries out to the Lord, trust in God's sovereignty, and posts a guard. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's a good example. Another easy one, before we go back to Proverbs 3, is the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. All right, so we pretty much have the, a good idea of what the fear of man is. We've already talked about that quite a bit. But what does it mean if the fear of man lays a snare? That, so the idea there is it's a trap. And if you're wanting to, to take mental imagery here, you might think there's a, there's a hole in, in the forest and, and the tarp is laid across and, and, and the wild animal 
falls into the trap and is ensnared or whatever mental imagery uh, you can use to, to think about that. Uh, either way, it's not good. But how does the fear of man lay a snare? Mm. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, we could say that, that, that fear ensnares us. Yeah, yeah. What else? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, we're such good salespeople of our sin, aren't we? And fear is one of them that I think oftentimes we just brush aside. You know, well, it's okay. We may even justify it as caution or discretion when in reality it's, it's, it's not trust in the Lord. Yeah, yeah, that's good. All right, so back to Proverbs 3 then, which says, If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Uh, Do not be afraid of sudden terror or the ruin of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Now, does this mean that if you trust the Lord, you're always going to sleep well at night? So it's not, again, Proverbs are not promises, aren't they? they? Uh, This is not a biological statement. All right, but the poetical imagery is what? Trusting the Lord brings an aspect of peace to us that pushes back against sinful fear, right? When you lie down, you will not be afraid. If if I'm lying down to sleep right now in the Ukraine, especially in eastern Ukraine, and I'm, am I probably not resting well? You know? Now, reports say they're resting well. I don't know. But I probably wouldn't be. I'd probably be un, un, unnerved. Uh, so the idea is not that situations can't key you up. Situations can't bring you to a certain level of concern. What's the general, what's the big picture? What, what, what is the writer of Proverbs teaching us here, big picture-wise, in regards to trusting God? Let it, yeah, point, point, point of just, just letting go in a certain amount of trust. Yeah, do what? That's exactly right. That is exactly right. That, that's the point that what he said for, the, for videos is that you can still have peace even when the bombs are dropping. And, uh, and, and that, that's, that's the, the idea here is that, that it is life going to throw all sorts of uh, difficult things our way? Yep. Yeah, one of the reasons why Jesus said, don't worry about t- tomorrow. You remember what his, his uh, added comment was? Today, it's got enough trouble of its own, right? I mean, the point is, is that even today, there's going to be troubling issues, but that is not to rob us of trusting the Lord in, in all things, right? Number three, Proverbs one thirty three. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. Pause there for just a second. Who is me? 
And to be clear, actually it's not God, literarily speaking. Who is me? Wisdom, that's right. So whoever listens to me, wisdom, because that's the context of Proverbs 1, wisdom personified, whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. I realize this is very similar to what we looked at before, but an added nuance. And the idea, and the reason why I'm adding this, is one of the, one of the things that protects us from fearing the future is actually what we're studying in this class It's actually gaining wisdom. I think about this in in my own life, and I I know, I know there is plenty of wisdom in this room that, that you could say the same. There are things that troubled me as a youth and as a young man that I chuckle at now. There are things that really used to get me worked up, and I, I see it especially in my, in my two sons, and see them get so worked up about certain things, and, and, I, and I, I just think, wow, the perspective, the perspective of being at 35 years old now. Um, this is a joke. Um, so... Also, Proverbs 24, 13, and 14. My son, eat honey, for it is good, and the drippings of the honeycomb are sweet to your taste. Know that wisdom is such to your soul. If you find it, there will be a future, and your hope will not be cut off. Sound familiar? Similar to the proverb we looked at before. So, what's the big idea of Proverbs 24, 13, and 14? And incidentally, the big idea is not the health of honey. <laughs> not the point. What's the point? Is honey sweet? Yes, it is sweet. Is it good? Oh, yeah, it is. Note the poetic dripping of the honeycomb, the idea of this pleasure, the idea of the sweetness. That's the, the point. Now, watch what he does poetically, in giving us this mental imagery of this sweetness, he says, what also is like that sweetness? Wisdom. Wisdom is like that sweetness. And not the sweetness to the tongue, but the sweetness to what? To the soul, right? And then goes on. If you find it, there will be a future. Your hope will not be cut off. It's not a salvific idea. It's a very practical point. What's the point of finding wisdom? One of it is, is it helps you lead a good, a good life. But also, it keeps you from fearing the wrong things, such as the future. Number four, Proverbs 10.28. The hope of the righteous brings joy, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. The hope of the righteous brings joy, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. The first part of that is is what I want to focus on. And the reason why I'm I'm using this verse to talk about fearing of the future is the the verb, it brings joy. There, There is a hope, a righteous hope, as I've defined it here. A righteous hope that brings joy. What's the idea here? What's the idea? The hope of the righteous brings joy. So it's actually quite practical, right? So the, the, the contrast would be, what does the hope of the wicked bring? 
Now, not biblical joy, not true, true joy as God has intended. It may bring temporal happiness, it may bring perversion, it may bring a number of things that we could put here, but it's not going to bring godly joy. And that's why it says here the expectation, what the wicked expects in the future will perish. Again, sort of going back to what Chris pointed out, is that, that, that contrast between temporal and eternal. Number five, Proverbs 27.1, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. I mean, we've all heard this proverb before, right? What, what, what is the point of this proverb? What's the, the, the big idea? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The idea is is worry. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So what does what does boast? How how would how would I be boasting about tomorrow? We'll, we'll pick on me, right? I mean, if if you say, oh, John, he's boasting about tomorrow. What what would that what would that mean? It's clearly to your point. It's not planning. I'm not boasting about tomorrow. If I'm if I'm planning, it's not saving. So what? Right. Yeah, yeah, it comes back and says what? So for the recording, J- James says is, is don't boast in this sense like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. But James says, do what? Yeah, if the Lord wills, which, which James is not talking about there adding a little clause onto everything that you say, but the idea is the heart attitude, right? So, so I am to have a right heart attitude that says that if this is what the Lord wills, this is what I'm going to do. What be a, this is a great uh, caveat here to, ch- to chase a, a rabbit. What's a great example from the Apostle Paul's life on that? Do not boast about tomorrow. Paul's, I'll just give you a little hint what I'm thinking of. Paul's missionary plans. Well, true. That's Romans 7. That's right. But I'm thinking about his actual missionary journeys. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Was it Three Dog Night that sang... Uh, you don't know. Oh, before your time. All right. Uh, well, I've never been to Spain, but I kind of like the music. Oh, that's a great song. Uh, uh, wow. There went the thought. Um, but look it up. Three Dog Night. It's a great song. Uh, do not, yeah, do not boast about tomorrow. So what well, Paul essentially gives us a great example of that was my plan. I was going there, but the Lord, what? The Lord essentially, providentially directed him elsewhere. He didn't go there. What was, was, was Paul satisfied in that? And I mean satisfied in, in, in the sense trusting God satisfied. Yeah, he was. He was. The idea is the same that J.D. pointed out as, as the Lord wills, so we will go, so we will do. The idea is to have a sense of, of humility. Humility. 
Humility can help protect us from the future in the sense that we are not arrogant, we are not boasting about this is what I will, will do. You hear this sometimes in, in the business world where, where someone will say, you know, nothing is going to keep me from doing this. Or you hear it in athletics all the time. is Nothing's going to keep me from achieving my dreams, my goals. You know, well, is that boasting in tomorrow? Yep. Yeah, that's a big boast in, in, into, into tomorrow. We're to look at the future, not in the sense of what we will do by our own power, our own might, but we trust that as the Lord wills, we will do according to what He has enabled and purposed. And so there's this sense of humility. Similar to that, in Proverbs 31 and 25, it says, Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. Who's she? Actually, not this time. Good guess, though. This time in Proverbs 31, it's who? It's, it's the wise wife and mother, right? So strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. Um, what, again, what, what does it mean by strength and dignity are her, are her clothing? We'll just start with the first one. What does it mean by strength is her, is her clothing? Obviously, it's a metaphor, right? Strength is her clothing. What's that mean? Re, did you say resolve? What she resolves, somebody else said? True, true. It is what she puts on. That's certainly the metaphor, but what does the, what's the strength? J.D. says resolve. Other thoughts? True. Like an article of clothing? Huh? It could be. Yeah. I think the idea of the strength as her, as her clothing... So, so again, I think we're, we're talking about two different things here. So the metaphor of clothing certainly means it stays with her. It's a characteristic. It's, it's, it's like she puts it on. So with that metaphor understood, the point of the strength is... What? Her resolve or also her preparation. I mean, she, th- this is a woman that prepares. She begins and she, she strengthens herself by accomplishment. She gets a lot done and she seeks to do a lot. Added to that is dignity. What's the idea of dignity as her clothing? Yeah. Yeah, character before God. So when you pull these two together, her resolve or her preparation and her character, her integrity before God, they're like clothing. For that reason, why does she laugh at the future? She's not worried about the future, right? That's, that's, the, that's the, the metaphorical expression, to laugh at the future. If she's not worried about the future. Why is she not worried about the future? Why, why is this, incidentally, uh, something that helps protect us from fearing the future? Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is, it's almost like it's so simple we're trying to overthink it. It's very, very practical. She doesn't fear the future because she is strengthened in her preparation. So when, when the winter comes... It says that, that her children and her servants are well-clothed. 
They're wearing the right things that keep them warm, and she has developed this strength by hard work, by industry, by doing that which is prudent and diligent. And dignity added to that is what? She carries with her a sense of integrity, true integrity, that she is a person of character. And so she doesn't worry about the future. She's prepared. She has her values, we might say, in line. And then Proverbs 24.10, it says, If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. What's the idea there? <laughs> yeah, but don't build your house on the sand ever, even if you don't have faith in righteousness, right? Right? So what, what does it mean then that your strength is small? Well, let's back, let's back up and start with the first part. Yeah, you can't handle it. So adversity comes along and, 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 you, and you just crumble, Right? And, and so you think about the opposite of that, of the proverbial woman, she's what? She's, she's hardworking, she is industrious, she's prepared, and so she has gained this, this, this strength and preparation. So also, her dignity, she keeps it, is herself as one of, of character, and what's it say about us when adversity comes and we just crumble? Yeah, no, 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 no faith, but even more so. Again, I'm trying to make a very practical statement. Some of you may be wondering if I'm no longer a Calvinist and have become an Arminian. That's not the case, as you'll hear in my sermon this morning. Um, but the point here is, is less spiritual and more just practical wisdom. The idea is, is that you don't fear the future, and when adversity comes in the future, you don't absolutely fall apart because you prepared yourself for it. You prepared yourself both physically, but so also in heart and soul and mind. Well, we're, we're out of time, so I'm going to end on this. What encourages hope for the future? If we are to hope, what encourages hope for the future? Proverbs 11.23 The desire of the righteous ends only in good. The expectation of the wicked in wrath. What's the idea here? Note it, so the, the, the subject of the sentence is desire, but what is the, the desire of the righteous? So the righteous person's desire ends only in good. So righteousness has an impact on how someone, how things play out, Right? And then note the poetic device of shifting is not, not no longer is it desire, but it is expectation. The, the wicked expect good, but will eventually receive what? Wrath, right? So the idea, the general picture here is, and, and this is again overly simplistic, uh, Christian righteous living is a good thing, Right? Furthermore, righteous living is a good thing that benefits 
where we're going in the future. Does it mean that bad things will not come? Does it mean that at all? Does it mean that, that smooth sailing from here on out? No, it doesn't. But it means that, we might put it this way, integrity matters. And it matters when we see the consequences that are the opposite. So for example, if you've got a friend or a, or a family member who you look back at their life and you see their, their life of, of, of sin has just been train wreck after train wreck after train wreck and they're, they're dealing with the consequences of their own unrighteous behavior. That captures the opposite of what the writer of Proverbs is drawing out here. The idea here is that when you live in a right way, it leads to not the consequences of those bad things, but rather those things that you can expect that are good in a good and practical sense. Well, we're out of time, but um, we actually tackled one entire topic uh, in this Sunday. So we're changing topics, changing gears next week. We'll look at a new topic uh, starting next Sunday. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank You for Your Word, and we thank You for just how incredibly practical it is. And we desire to be people who are faithful to You in both great and small things, in every square inch of our lives. And so we ask that You would give us a right fear of God and a right trust in Him. Give us the wisdom that You provide for us, the righteous hope, the humility, and the strength and dignity that are to come in living a life that is faithful to you. So also we pray that you would give us a right hope and not a fear of the future. Let us rightly, as Scripture encourages us, to look to the day of our Lord's return with hope and anticipation. For we'll pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.